0: Another night of game twos to talk about here. Then we got to get to the free agent small forward crop. Let's start in Oakland where Golden State had a harder than it probably should have been frankly victory against Houston led by 10 throughout most of the game Houston got back cut it to three at one point in the fourth with some of the Warriors backup units on the floor and then they extended it out with the death lineup and held on late Chris Paul did have a three that was wide open that could have cut it to three after the Warriors as they are wont to do had some terrible turnovers trying to protect the lead late as Houston and went to a trapping defense. Where do you want to start on this one? I think
1: I want to start with the Warriors defense for especially the first quarter I thought that they did a a really good job overall Houston ended up with a 116 offensive rating but a portion of that was them just hitting a ton of threes I mean we saw in the early going Austin Rivers hit a few he ended up four for six Chris Paul had two and then ended up two for seven and Eric Gordon had a few moments a lot of those different guys but for the most part some of those were conceded but I think a lot of them were were just guys making the shots that the Warriors would do want to concede but they forced a ton of turnovers early i thought that
0: was a really huge swing in this houston and those those were largely i felt forced turnovers. agreed yeah
1: yeah so it was nine for houston in the first quarter and i off the top of my head, I would say something like six or seven of those would be forced. And uh, six of them were steals. So the Warriors had 14 points off those nine turnovers, which was about half of what they scored in the first quarter.
0: Yeah. And it felt like it was a nine point warrior lead after the first James Harden was in the locker room. He got hit in both eyes and thereafter although I thought he played really well considering uh, the issue uh, was really struggling with the lights he was not happy to be under the lights at at the press conference podium afterwards Steph Curry also dislocated his middle finger had to get that tape Uh, fortunately for him that was on his left hand uh, as he was going for a strip Uh, he had to sit out and and then returned later in the first quarter but I, I thought really when you consider how badly Golden State killed Houston on the possession game in the first half especially where they had 16 more true shot attempts when you consider both shots and free throws than the Rockets did in the first half. It was only a nine point Warrior lead at halftime. Then it was only a seven point lead at the end of the third even though the Warriors led by 15 and had a three that could have made it 18 a wide open three from KD. It just seemed like the Warriors were in control with the run of play throughout and while it felt like Houston was dangerous and could come back it was really it seemed like the three-point shooting that was keeping them in it. it and their shot chart again this is to me is the stat of the series if you look at houston's shot chart before the last three minutes of this game when the warriors started just conceding layups they wouldn't give up threes that's what Kerr's strategy is late they had 14 shots at the rim through the kind of normal portion of this game and i think they're at 12 in the last game and houston did not get an abnormal number of free throw attempts only 19 uh, through a that portion of the game last game they had some more but not a ridiculous amount so really the three tenets of the Rockets are buckets at the rim the free throw line and the three-point line and so despite third or 16 at 37 43 percent three-point shooting the Rockets only had 94 points through 45 minutes in this game and the Warriors had a 10-point lead at that point before we, we really got into the scramble portion of the game which I, I didn't put as much emphasis on that just because it was really just a, a a different kind of defensive and offensive strategy for both teams so houston just was not able to get it going hard and i thought had some moments in this game but to only have four or six versus six turnovers was a major problem for him and so i think that's the, the biggest issue to me i that houston just can't score at the level that they're used to scoring in in the regular season against the Warriors.
1: another important part of game two was the offensive glass the warriors ended up with 18 18- offensive. Offensive rebounds that gave them a 37% offensive rebound percentage. And Houston, you know, no slouches with 10 of their own. But that allowed the Warriors to to really dominate the possession game. Draymond had four in the first quarter, got some big second chance buckets. McKinney got two on consecutive possessions. One was a tip dunk for him, the other I think was a Durant mid-ranger the second time around. And so that gave the Warriors a little bit more life as well. And they they missed a series of shots that that often go in but getting offensive rebounds you get those chances in another way. yeah
0: Here, here's a stat for you second chance points rockets 19 warriors 18 despite the warriors nearly doubling up the yeah. actual number of offensive rebounds, so the warriors had a, a few key turnovers a few key misses and it seemed like you know to have 19 second chance points for the rockets on 10 offensive rebounds i mean 1.9 points per possession is awesome they had a lot of kickout threes rivers hit, hit a couple of big ones uh, especially in the second quarter to keep it close but again it, it just seemed like the run of play especially when the warriors had their best lineup out there uh, with, with the death line which they started again it pro- how many minutes did, did that lineup play tonight
1: 24 so half the game 144.6 offensive rating 121 9 defensive ratings that's a plus 22 7 in those 24 minutes just a destructive group and remember they're going against the best lineups for the most part that that houston has to offer so this is not you know beating up on bench units or anything like that it's just a really dominant group and that 120 that 122 defensive rating is higher than you'd expect but there was some hot shooting in there for houston and james harden had some really nice plays as well
0: yeah it seemed like where houston was able to get back into it a lot of times early first early fourth was when the warriors went to their bench now the warriors correct me if i'm wrong i don't think they had a single second in this game without either steph or KD on the floor and Kerr was very aggressive with the minutes again, particularly with KD. And in, in this one, he got to 43 minutes, and they've got a three-day break now here coming up. But Sean Livingston has had a real struggle in the series. The Rockets do a great job of not guarding him. There's one notable play where Livingston is on the wing. Clay Thompson runs a pick and pop with KD, is what would have been wide open, but Livingston man man just leaves him. There's like three guys standing on the baseline a lot of the times, and the Rockets were just running guys at either KD or Steph and they would double team Draymond or Looney would try to make the 4 on 3 play but the other three guys for the Warriors basically were Iguodala and Livingston and and then the other of Green or Looney they played Jerebko a little bit but they just weren't able to get the spacing for those 4 on 3s but then when they went to the death lineup they're able to really just score it seemed like or at least get open looks at will in this game so it's i suppose it's good for houston not a deep team themselves that they're able to do better against the bench units because the, their bench is also pretty limited but nonetheless that really is not enough when they're just not coming close to winning on either end against the starters and, and to me so much of that has been dream on green the we saw for example early fourth quarter with Draymond out of the game the Warriors have plenty of shooting on the floor but James Harden is able to get past Kevon Looney in an iso and just get right to the rim and lay the ball in because there isn't the level of help available when Draymond is out there or Draymond's not going to give up a a blow by if he's the guy on the switch so really is and I think Draymond has been the second best player for the Warriors in this series uh, behind KD
1: and I think there's an argument to be made that Draymond has been the most valuable because nobody else in this team can really do what he does and this game wasn't as ridiculous in terms of him preventing the Harden capella lobs they got a they got a couple of opportunities but he he's just so huge in terms of changing what the Rockets want to do, getting out on defenders, and deflecting passes, you know, all, all those sorts of things as well. I thought that the Drebko inclusion was, was notable as well, because he was the guy that Kerr went to when Curry got hurt, so it was only a couple minutes that Curry was off the floor at that point. I mean, we had no idea. I mean, there were those little images that were floating around that maybe, maybe looked like it was a more severe injury. They did an x-ray, it was fine, and he ended up playing. And, and you could see the ill effects periodically, like he was shaky with his Drebko with his left hand a couple of times and missed a couple of shots that you would you might think oh, and he's still you know 20 points on 16 shots, I believe it would be 18 shooting possessions, and so not a bad game by any means, but not, you know, the the kind of dominant performance that he can have at times, and Jurebko, I thought those were his best minutes, you know, that little stretch, he had a tip dunk, he was active, had a couple different plays, but then he stayed in in some of those second unit minutes, he was on the floor, they're, they're really tweaking around with those lineups now that Durant is basically full-time in that group, other than when Curry is in foul trouble, and then plays with that group instead of the close of the third so how they balance mckinney and jerebko it's not going to define this series but it is interesting all the same and along those lines i thought an important part of this game was houston getting a ton of offensive rebounds at the beginning of the second quarter that and that was when kenneth farid and kavon looney were both out there on the floor now those were not the only two players that were involved in the offensive rebound extravaganza but in that quarter kerr ended up taking out looney for bogut that was the only time bogut played and then when it got to the second half farid was out and looney stayed in and i thought that was interesting
0: yeah the rotations are always interesting i think they wanted to get a little more shooting on the floor i thought houston did a poor job of attacking jerukko i actually don't recall a single time that they actually were able to successfully isolate on him and a big part of that is that the warriors are just the best in the nba at avoiding you isoing the guy that you want to iso and especially with Houston. Houston they're just very limited in terms of the ways in which they're able to do that and part of that is because they're trying to get it up top where it's just you're so far away from being able to attack that they're able to switch around behind the play you got to have someone very obviously run up there so you can do the switch at that point there's also room for guys to recover and I thought that the Warriors I'd be very interested to find out how it was exactly that they are doing this my suspicion is just that the Warriors are so smart and have it so well drilled that it's just the players who react when they want to and a lot of times the big maybe it's Draymond it will switch it up and they'll they'll just double team every now and then when Iguodala who was guarding Harden much of the way was able to get through the screen no matter who was setting it, he would just try and get through and then if he couldn't then they would switch it you know so if they weren't getting a good enough screen or they're just trying to slip it they just weren't getting the switch to begin with and Harden did have one ankle breaker on Iguodala at the end of the second quarter but other than that didn't really have much success going at him they kept Curry out of it pretty well i'm not sure that they scored i mean they may have drawn a foul or two but i don't think they just had a play where they just beat curry uh for a bucket that i can recall can you recall any of those there i thought they're really able to stay out of that matchup and when it was curry he did a pretty decent job despite yeah you know, I, I, I don't recall it
1: there. there were there was one where he fouled and so it probably would have become a bucket but generally speaking also a lot of curry's fouls came off ball so you have that yeah. one other thing i wanted to mention just before we get on is i love eric gordon's drive game he hit a couple of important threes when the Rockets were kind of keeping themselves in the game but he's so strong and it wasn't as as extreme as some of the like great drives that he had in game one but I, I do think that's an added element that he brings to this Rockets attack being in the starting five playing serious minutes he played 36 in this one and not a perfect player but someone I really really like as a complimentary piece to what they have going
0: yeah and you wonder maybe if he's someone that they might try to go to a little bit more I mean he, a lot of his attacks are opportunity scramble defense transition kind of plays you know i'm not sure if he's because the warriors again they're switching everything so i don't know if you want him isolating necessarily there's not really a way for him to attack it in a conventional pick and roll so whether his usage could be increased or not i'm not really sure you know he doesn't really have a great pull-up game off the dribble it's kind of either shoot the three right when he gets it or go all the way to the rim so i don't know if there's a way to give him more responsibility took 13 shots in this game it another big problem is that despite the fact clint capella had a solid game for him at times he had four offensive rebounds had a couple of blocks it ended up fouling out late when chris paul was trying to get him to just go trap and he just went and fouled steph Curry with 40 seconds left and houston down six at that point it still seemed that d'antoni did not trust him to be on the floor at the end and when they let trevor ariza go it really was capella that they needed to be their fifth guy and yeah he played 33 minutes he had 14 points but to me it's not been quite the same impact athletically he's been better than the start of the year but not the same as he was last year and they haven't really been able to get the lob game going to him either in part just because Draymond is so incredibly intelligent and then they also the Warriors just have great guys who can crash down on the backside we talked about this in the Jazz series where the Warriors just don't have to make as many hard choices because they have guys who can cover two people at once have guys who can crash down and capella be in position where if they lob it up those guys can run in from the backside and, and either make a play on capella knock it away you know clay had a couple of plays like that or still close out to the corner and not just have it be a wide wide open pj tucker three the way it was for the jazz the jazz had gobert but if gobert committed to one spot then either the corner or the lob was going to be open whereas the Warriors just have a lot more athletes who can cover that um you mentioned they went to Farid oddly for five minutes I mean maybe the thought was hey we can't score and he's a better offensive player than some of these guys And he actually was plus two uh but then didn't come in in the second half and he got really cooked in isolation by Curry in particular Daniel House was reduced to five minutes in this game he was negative 11 in those five minutes D'Antoni was screaming at him you never see D'Antoni this upset for not rebounding and house is very athletic but just wasn't doing that and then kd was is gonna just his eyes get like saucers anytime house is guarding him in the post austin rivers had a nice game with 14 points on four of six from downtown but did, did have three turnovers and you know he's not the most reliable shooter he does give them another playmaking element and he certainly was better than house or gerald green on this side shumpert over four on threes i don't think he Wait, was even I, close i, I want I want to talk
1: a little bit more about Shepard because this is just so yeah. weird. He played one four-minute and thirty-two-minute stint in the first quarter. He took four shots, missed all four of them. At least three of them were bad misses, but they were plus five in those minutes. Like you just don't yeah. see that very often, where a guy takes that many shots, misses that many shots, but they still ended up getting buckets. And some of that was offensive rebounds and the Warriors. You know, and I think that was when Austin Rivers hit a couple as well. But I was just, I, I was dumbfounded, kind of, by when I saw that he was plus five because i remember how bad his minutes looked and i wasn't surprised when Shumper did not come back in the game but it's like oh okay
0: chris paul had some moments keeping them in it he had to go 40 minutes which is more than they want to play but harden only was able to get to 34 because he missed so much time as they're trying to kind of uh, fix his eyes uh, back in the locker room and hit a couple of tough threes but then you know he missed the biggest shot of the game laid a wide open three and four turnovers paul rarely will turn it over but it's just it's really difficult for him to create a ton of separation against this group and he just gets stuck in areas where he just doesn't have anywhere to go with the ball and ends up having to just throw a hopeful pass that a lot of times is getting intercepted see if I got anything else here
1: well something I wanted to mention Kevin Durant only took one shot in the restricted area it took a bunch of floaters did get to the line 10 times some of those were getting fouled on both jump shots and getting fouled on what would have been a non-shooting foul but the Warriors were in the bonus and but I thought I thought he had a, a, a nice offensive night and also had a better defense night i would say than than in game one so he he has been a huge part of the series for sure
0: yeah it was interesting they were going with harden uh with tucker in foul trouble a lot of the night They actually went with harden in the second half on kd and kd was actually getting the switch to go at capella in or gerald green down the end rather than harden which i thought was interesting he tried to post up harden a couple of times didn't really try to cook him at, uh, on the up top ISO. so that's that's what the warriors went more to down the end when the rockets really couldn't get stops uh, until the they went to the trap later on Nene only played four minutes in this one despite what i thought was a pretty effective performance in the first game uh it looked like it was just going to get totally blown open in the third and the warriors actually couldn't score in the last 414 of the third but Houston only put up eight points during that time themselves and it was that was the kd only minutes with steph once again in foul trouble and KD was just throwing it to guys for corner threes that Draymond McKinney like that they just couldn't make, uh, or trying to lob it to Livingston and he and there just wasn't any spacing in there. um But I mean Curry's really going with the death lineup for 12 minutes a half, you know. And so when you're trying to get guys uh, enough rest, and especially too with Curry only playing 33 minutes and Iguodala he played 34 last game, 32 this game, but they're gonna try not to. They don't have Iguodala out there with those bench units stabilizing them as much. Much. you know he only played eight minutes that wasn't part of that certain group but iguodala is plus 17 and so if they win those minutes enough and then can just hold on with the other group um anything that you think that these teams might try differently as the series shifts to houston on saturday night which we'll be doing the nba cast for by the way
1: nene is a better option than freed for me i mean i'm sure there's an appeal with the idea of going offense first but i think he's the best option and rivers had a nice game but I, and and i think that he deserves to have the lion's share of the second. Unit minutes, but I, I feel like they they need to roll a little bit with House. I, I House, Joe Green, you know somebody in that group because yanking them around and being as inconsistent. I I understand it because they can do things that are frustrating, but I don't know. I, I think that having a little bit more consistency with when those guys play could be useful for them
0: yeah well D'Antoni played I mean I can't remember the last time Mike D'Antoni played 11, 11. guys in a competitive playoff game I and mean, he's looking for anyone who can give them a spark and there's none of those guys that could deliver and without Ariza I and mean, they already were at an athleticism deficit against the Warriors last year but remember Andre Guadalupe was pretty creaky last year and then he didn't play in the last four games of the series and I think while it definitely really hurt the Rockets to not have Chris Paul last year, and and maybe the series is different. It's forgotten because of that Paul injury that the Warriors had two blowouts in three games against the Rockets when Iguodala was healthy last year, and you know they had to play Nick Young last year. Jordan Bell, I mean, guy. So to give Nick Young and Jordan Bell's minutes to Andre Iguodala this year is just such an upgrade, especially how good Iguodala is. I mean, he is leading the postseason in dunks. I think he's got nineteen dunks so far, and a lot of those are off that Draymond pick and roll where they, they end up double teaming uh but and he's a, a great transition player he guards James Harden as good as just about anybody like he's just a, still amazingly at age 35 a really really good player and for them to be able to put that five-man group out there which is you know, probably the best fa- five-man lineup of all time I would say is just such an advantage and we've seen the Warriors be the less athletic team before you know against the Thunder in 2016 in particular, when Durant was on that team of course you know there are other teams maybe the raptors or the box that could give them some problems with the athleticism the warriors are by far the more athletic team in this series and not only the more athletic but for a team that goes small by far the longer and taller team as well every player on houston other than capella is undersized for their position and even capella is a little bit light in the shorts too so yeah houston has these thick guys like they're kind of difficult to post up but none of them are really great rebounders and so guys like and then their best rebounders are stuck away from the rim and it's been a problem for the Rockets all year so I don't see that change that much and I thought the Warriors would win this game comfortably Uh, it was a little bit less comfortable just because the Warriors shooting was bad and, and the Rockets was good but I think you know the Warriors played well enough throughout most of this game that I felt like this really you know was more like a 15 to 20 point type of Warriors win in terms of just the way that these two teams actually played tonight so I'm not sure what Houston can do shifting it here I think. Think that they you know, some of the recommendations that I had last game that they didn't really do maybe Harden will play better at home maybe that step back will go down but that step back's a lot harder when he doesn't have the good matchup and they're struggling to create that he's generally going against a guy who has more length than he does and a lot of times he's been able to get the matchup this year and, and shoot over the top of guys uh, on that step back who are either going to follow him because they have to overcommit to the contest or he's just able to shoot right over the top and then the Warriors just don't have that many of those guys and it yeah big surprise you know the most talented team of of all time is really hard to match up against it'd be nice for the rockets if they had a Trevor Ariza type or maybe they had traded for another two-way wing with that first rounder but instead they got a kind of fringy rotation guy in jumper they probably and, thought he would be a bigger part than he is but and,
1: and remember they never used their full not the full but the taxpayer mid-level either they yeah. split parts of it off for like hartenstein and other stuff but they didn't they didn't get a real contributor with that either
0: yeah so uh, and now that's uh, that really is hurting them to be sure and i think uh, maury with the constraints that he was dealt did a pretty damn good job to get guys who were able to contribute that well in the regular season but you know it, it is interesting we thought maybe this could be a revenge series for house uh, and no that's not been the case the worst have killed him and he he was you know really good against the jazz in the first round and really good down the end of the season i think there was hope that he would be able to be a three and d contributor and he just can't hold up defensively and he just he isn't playing hard enough Let's see if i got anything else here
1: i'll just mention that chris paul nutmegged kevon looney and i hope that always amuses
0: me yeah and then immediately shot it off, <laughs> off the, the, side the backboard, of the backboard. <laughs> yeah
1: that did happen though he did get his own offensive rebound and scored after that so yeah, he, he I mean, ruined I, his I, own highlight it
0: count as a rebound if it bounces off, off the side out of the backboard is that just like a loose ball <laughs> a uh, I, I, yeah,
1: I, if I, it counts as a missed shot i believe it does count as a rebound
0: yeah no i i, I, I you're
1: being facetious
0: it. yeah uh so it's i mean it's really the stuff that houston is struggling with it's systemic it's getting into the sets earlier it's running more it's being better at setting screens just running their sets with more alacrity all that kind of execution stuff the team just doesn't really execute that well and d'antoni he tries you know he really does try he comes out of a timeout his They can get some good looks there. One of their real pet actions, the twenty-one stuff, where Harden sprints out of the corner and gets middle when you can switch everything. That's really you know pretty much useless to them. Well, what do you think happens the rest of the series?
1: I wouldn't be shocked if Houston won both of their home games, but this has the feel to me of a five gamer. You know, whether it's whether it's I think it'd be more likely than that Houston would win game three than game four. They pull one. They they have enough talent to, to win. I mean, they they got closer in certain parts of both the games at oracle but i think the warriors are a meaningfully more talented team when they play their best players when they could stay on the floor and remember that 24 minutes that probably that could have gone even higher if maybe if curry hadn't gotten in foul trouble some of the other stuff so i think they'll win one they're they're a, more than a good enough team to do so and then but i think this this series is it it's not over but i think we have a pretty damn good idea who's going to win it so it's really more a question of whether it's five six or seven
0: yeah obviously there could always be a game-changing injury we thought absolutely twice we thought it that, could nearly happen had, had happened in the series i mean if, the, if steph curry is a broken finger you know I, I mean i would presume that he wouldn't be able to play with that even if it's a, on his left hand and, and hopefully harden will be recovered by the weekend it sort of feels like the warriors will come out and really want to put their foot on on the throats of houston in game three and then like let up in game four and houston wins that one and then it's actually ends up being like a close game five um but yeah i I don't know what's gonna happen here in game three you would think okay the warriors gotta have or or the rockets gotta have that one just crazy barrage shooting game from deep but they had that today the 43 percent from downtown on pretty good volume and that didn't really come that close to getting it done i i look back again where i really think game one was the missed opportunity with the 20 warriors turnovers tonight the Warriors only I think had four turnovers in the first half and they had probably like three or four in the last three minutes of the game that were just absolutely asinine terrible turnovers uh but you know they were for the the before Houston just started trapping They're under 10 turnovers and if the Warriors don't turn it over they're just going to score really well uh, against this team it did not look and this is over a 120 offensive rating for the Warriors even with their foibles down the end and even with 11 out of 36 three-point shooting three out of 13 from curry i will talk boston milwaukee but first mother's day is coming up there's nothing that we wouldn't do to make sure the special moms in our lives are happy sherry's berries has special mother's day berries designed just for mom they're topped with chocolate chips pink shimmer sugar and swizzles i just got mine sent to me my wife of course quite enjoyed them these strawberries are just enormous i don't know where they get these things but they uh, are huge and this it takes like five bites to finish one of these things when you've got the chocolate cover it comes refrigerated so they're really fresh when they arrive Arrive. You choose your delivery date to ensure that your mom gets your gift of Sherry's berries exactly when you want her to. And of course, your satisfaction is always guaranteed. So don't wait until the last minute on this one. It's May 1st right now as I'm recording this. You could just go do this right now and then you'd just be done for Mother's Day. You don't have to stress out about it anymore. Go to berries.com, B E R R I E S dot today to order your freshly dipped strawberry starting at $19.99 for the mom or mom in your life. You can double the number of berries for just $10 more, should you so choose. I know that all of you are very responsible and are well aware of this but just to reiterate mother's day is sunday may 12th so try it berries.com click on that microphone in the upper right hand corner enter that familiar cap space code don't forget that at berries.com cap space code to let them know that you came from us so milwaukee righted the ship in a big way they led by only four at halftime and it was one of those games and there were many of these and bucks fans will remember this well in last year's playoffs where it seemed like should. Should be getting killed, and yet they would hang around and hang around, and then in the second half make a run and be there at the end. And with the Stevens magic and some crazy shot making, steal it. You thought we we thought it might be headed that way, and then the Bucks went on a twenty four to two run to end the game in the third quarter.
1: Yeah, and I I thought that there were some important developments in this game from Milwaukee's perspective on both ends of the floor. But one of the big ones was just hitting shots. I mean, you could go through numerous guys on. this roster but i'll start with chris middleton middleton going seven for ten from three bucks overall 20 of 47 and when they can do well in the possession game or even break even in the possession game and hit shots like that get to the free throw line even if the defense has some imperfections and it was great in the third quarter they can survive it and then they were able to to build upon that and and really take this game over
0: yeah boston was actually having a pretty nice offensive night until they were outscored 39 to 18 in the Third, and they scored only two points in the last seven minutes of the third quarter and really just were not getting to the basket at all during that time give you their stats for that period that 24 to 2 bucks run one for 11 from the field oh four from three their one make during that time was actually a tip in took five twos uh, away from the rim and they also coughed it up six times and obviously the bucks when they're able to get into transition with Giannis, that is when they're totally deadly Giannis hit a couple of threes during the run one over Horford and one over Baines both of those uh, off the dribble he was able to get to the foul line a ton ended up 13 of 18 from the foul line I thought overall the Bucks got a lot more calls than they did in game one of just the Celtics putting their hands on them on the drive I, I think we mentioned that after game one that that would be if we were running the Bucs that that would be what would be on our tape to the league after game one is here's all these times these guys are putting their forearm on our, our guys Giannis in particular when they're driving Eric Bledsoe was awesome on both ends 21 points three of five from downtown seven to 12 overall he had five assists as well the Bucs I thought passed it a little better in this game I still think the Celtics to some degree are exposing that they are not an amazing passing team it, it, but it was funny there was a lot of sequences where I would see Giannis or Bledsoe would drive get double teamed miss the obvious open guy but then they'd swing it around and get a good end up getting a good shot later in the possession anyway just because because the, they had that level of, of spacing and that level of gravity with some of their players um I don't I've rambled on for a while here what else you got on this game
1: I'm still trying to figure out where kind of kind of where this goes if Malcolm Brogdon is unavailable or limited in terms of the support guys but even though he got in early foul trouble I still like Miritich as that kind of short-term option they did get some some good minutes some very good minutes at mo- moments from George Hill also that the three that he had at the end of the at the end of the first first half was awesome i called it a
0: pull-up three
1: yeah you corrected me i said it was like a throwback george hill but as you noted and this is true george hill didn't have that that three in his arsenal you know going back to even his San Antonio days or his his Indiana days and didn't really love Sterling Brown Connaughton had a had a good plus minus he got a ton of rebounds I still don't see you know like a conference finals type of player in him you know if need be then you can you can get a little bit more from him so getting Brogdon back and hopefully that's going to happen in the near term that will be very important for them and to have an, an effective offensive game Brooke Lopez had, had some moments but I, I didn't think he was as big of a force as I expected in yeah. a game he was,
0: that he was negative 12 in the yeah. game they won by 21
1: I know I, I was very surprised by that and I mean and so and, and Giannis pulling and making a couple of threes you know in that in that kind of to close off that run that I don't think that shot is going to be definitive for him this season yeah
0: but you're just he's five, he's five and nine in the series yeah so
1: I mean you're kind of sitting there going well you know he's more confident now definitely than he was earlier I think Feldman had the stat about how this is the the first time since 2016 that that he's had multiple made threes in three consecutive games It's only the second time in his entire career and not going to be the reason the bucks you know win or lose the title this year but he's still young and you think about where where that game could be going if he can get if he can get that weakness a little bit yeah. stronger it'd be it's incredible
0: well that's the antidote to the garden with the center strategy because if you actually have to guard him out there off the dribble now he's just going to be able to blow by that guy you, the hey we'll kind of wait back in the lane and like try to time out his Euro step and be big and bump him off and, and contest him at the rim like uh, then that doesn't work anymore if he can make that shot uh, off the dribble buck's defense was much better they did more switching in one through four and even if they absolutely had to at times one through five they were determined not to just let the celtics get wide open jump shots which is what they got in game one and certainly the celtics no matter how wide open they were shooting 49 percent on twos outside the res- or th- sorry fifty. 59% on twos outside the restricted area in game one was not going to continue but that went the other way in a big way through three quarters again 16 shots at the rim for Boston they are not known for their ability to get there the foul line only 14 free throw attempts zero for Kyrie Irving who had a nightmare game and then get this seven out of 27 on twos away from the rim and but you know those weren't open shots Kyrie wasn't getting the same quality of looks he struggled with with 0 for 5 in floater range and only 1 out of 4 on 2 point jumpers, and then 1 of 5 from 3, 4 of 17 overall was a- atrocious.
1: Well, and I think you c- connect that as well with jason tatum i mean boston oh, had to run boston had to run more iso and the guys that you would think of as being their iso players really did struggle tatum was two for ten from the field he only took two mid-rangers missed both those he was zero for four on what i would consider jump shots just a, a rough rough night from him and you know he had a couple defensive moments but not a good night for him
0: no and he's been really bad in the series and Locke had this stat that of players who had more than 100 iso possessions this year tatum Ranked ninety fifth out of ninety five such players in efficiency on isolation. That's not what was supposed to happen for him this year. So he has not really been effective there. He doesn't have the ability to get into the lane and draw fouls in those situations. It's all the long two, and he hasn't been able to hit that as well. The Bucks were more aggressive, helping early also, uh, and but nonetheless, they also were flying around more. towards shooters. I thought Giannis had a much better defensive game. Bledsoe had a much better defensive game as well brooke lopez it was more mobile he wasn't just camped out at the basket he got out on the floor a little bit more in his minutes and those wide open pick and pops for horford really were not there and i think an, another key stat here because what we said right is well the bucks are just going to give up a ton of three-pointers to the Celtics, right that's what they did in, the, in that first game when they're 24 out of 55 in the regular season the bucks give up a lot of above the break threes well during the competitive portion of the game first three quarters they they only gave up 23 three-point attempts and they got up 47 themselves. And Boston didn't shoot him horribly. They actually were at 36% on threes in the half court, eight out of 22 And when I say in the half court, I mean like non-heaves. Uh so it was just much better for from the Bucks in this game. You figured they were gonna come out and really kill him. Brogdon's availability, it seems like he's trending in the right direction to maybe be able to play in game three. You imagine he'll be uh, on a minute's limit, but even if he can give him 25 minutes. Minutes, that would certainly be a boon for them to give them one more guy who can drive to the basket, defend on the perimeter. I mean, this may have been the worst playoff game of Kyrie's career too. He only had four assists, three turnovers. He's usually a low turnover guy. Horford had five turnovers, uh, even though he shot it okay on those three pointers. He only got up five of those. How are you feeling as the series shifts now to Boston?
1: Boston will play better. I think Milwaukee will probably take a step down, but my vision of this is still a long series, and it's a long series that could go either direction i picked bucks and six but i mean i bounced between bucks and six bucks and seven and celtics and seven i still think milwaukee i think they're the favorites at this point but boston always had a clear case i mean game one i called it proof of concept that's really what it was they can and very well could win the series they could win both the games at home I'm, i'm excited to see where it goes though
0: yeah, and I thought, Bud, he made the adjustments both de- defensively. I thought also what they did on offense, it was more pick and roll for Bledsoe. It was more Giannis handling the ball. They ran a lot more 4 5 pick and rolls. Remember, the, the matchups were either Horford or Baines on Giannis. And especially when it was Horford, they would have the five man Lopez come and screen, get the switch with Morris, and then Giannis could go into his drive attack game and, and not have to worry about the on ball guy blocking his shot the way Horford did I thought when he did try to go right at Horford Horford was still pretty good in this game amazingly still only had one foul uh they ran some other stuff too just off ball screens again to try and get Giannis a better match I mean one that stuck out to me in that third quarter run was they had Bledsoe screen Giannis to the free throw line and then Giannis curled into the lane Bledsoe popped out and that left him with the what would have been an open three they closed out and then he throws it to Middleton wide open the corner I also thought Kyrie especially in that third quarter was really Really bad defensively. A lot of bad gambles. Not the same type of effort closing out. I think that applied to all of the Celtics, where they just were not like shot out of a cannon closing out on guys the way they were in Game One. I mean, again, to give up forty-seven three-point attempts to twenty-eight for the Celtics. I'm sorry, I misspoke. The forty-seven for the Bucks was over the the full game through three yeah, quarters, w- which I was talking it about. It was thirty-five
1: before. to twenty-three in, in the first three quarters.
0: Okay, that's still a massive advantage in the Bucks. Uh, we're right at fifty percent of those. So uh, Boston will shoot better. They'll get better looks. They're going to adjust. But I think to get Giannis going, 29 points and the 18 free throw attempts still would like to see more assists from him. I still think the Bucs were missing passes Sterling Braun you we mentioned that he played very little 13 minutes a, and he was actually negative 12 some of that was uh, garbage time he's questionable with the back spasms they went with Miritich who I still think is important as far as spacing the floor he also had three steals and a block in this game I think getting a little bit more help oriented of a defender helped them as well they did try a couple of Lopez post-ups those didn't really go anywhere it, it does seem like Lopez may not not be a part of their best unit in this series having a matchup with Horford and that's fine maybe you try and bring him back when it's more Baines out there Boston still I don't think they've played a single minute in this series with Baines and Horford together that's a lineup that has definitely been very good for them defensively and maybe that's something they can do to get a little more rim protection out there give it a little more versatility take away that four or five pick and roll and letting the Bucks get the matchup but one of those two guys would have to guard a shooter and the other one would guard Yeah, I also thought Baines just didn't quite have the same lateral mobility after the ankle sprain. He was negative 19 in 10 minutes. I still want to just see more high pick and roll for Kyrie Irving set way above the three-point line for the Celtics, especially when Lopez is in the game and let Kyrie walk into that three-pointer from way above, above the circle, force Lopez out on the floor, try to get in behind him. I don't know what else you can do to get Tatum going. Maybe he's just not that good. Certainly, The Celtics need to do a better job at Middleton. I mean, he got a ton of open corner threes in this game. A lot of those in transition. The Celtics transition defense wasn't nearly as good in this game either. I thought the Bucs did a better job of getting guys ahead of Giannis and sprinting to the corners, filling the corners, so that the Celtics just flattening out and building a wall at the free throw line wasn't as viable. I thought Lopez, in particular, too, did a nice job of getting down there on offense in those semi-transition situations so i i think you know boston if they're gonna win the series i always say it you know unless you're a team like the warriors if you're the road team you better be up 3-1 because uh, then you're stuck trying to win two of the last three with two of the last three in the other team's building and the bucks seem to have gotten over their first game to just now at it, I hopefully we will see a close game in this series that would be nice all right we got to get to the shooting guards here but first this from goat.com sadly the player that some are starting to think is the goat although that legacy Took a little bit of a hit this year without making the playoffs that so lebron james is not involved anymore it does it's kind of a bummer that he's not there but the goat of buying sneakers goat.com is at your beck and call whenever you want the big problem with buying sneakers online is there's more than a coin flips chance that the shoe you're looking at is fake but at goat.com the largest marketplace in the world for authentic yeezys jordans and over 600,000 sneaker listing you can take advantage of the safest way to buy and sell authentic sneakers online the whole process is free. They accept sellers with the best reputation, and then they verify all sneakers. The way it works is these sellers ship it to GOAT, and they inspect every detail, the stitching, the color, the size, and weight. They have experts that can tell you exactly how a pair of Jordans is supposed to smell. They know that every pair of sneakers on the site is going to match exact factory specifications, and you're not going to find better prices for verified, 100% authentic sneakers anywhere else. The way to get started with them, GOAT.com, G-O-A-T, you know how it's spelled, GOAT.com slash cap space, Go Right now, before the sneakers you want are gone, although I do suspect that you'll find some other awesome ones that I was when I was shopping on there, I, I got a pair of uh kamikaze twos, what Sean Kemp used to wear back in the day. Pretty nice colorway, that's what they call it. Right, colorway. I was just struggling to find which sneaker I wanted to get, it was really an insane selection there. So, once again, goat.com and don't forget that slash cap space URL to let them know that you came from us. All right, pre recording this now, we don't know what happened in tonight's games, but we got to talk about the free agent small forward crop and that of course starts with the two best players available in free agency this season Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard both of them have player options which they will certainly be declining KD, age 30 Kawhi age 28 and this is something you've mentioned before but those two guys are if they do leave their present homes in Golden State and Toronto that's going to reduce the available free agent money for everyone else because those teams won't have a max salary spot to replace them and they will of course take one up with as rumored the knicks and the clippers it'll also be the first
1: time i think one of the differences between these two guys first time Kawhi leonard hits unrestricted free agency that third contract is is oftentimes clarifying for what a player values most. That might not be more apparent than in Kawhi's case, because the situation he is in right now is pretty damn good. I mean, the Raptors are very talented. We'll, we'll see how they feel after the end of these playoffs, but they've they've been one of the best teams in the league this entire year, despite being very cautious with Kawhi. And, and that, you know, obviously the more he's on the court, the better the Raptors would have been. And he could go to the Clippers. He could go really wherever he wants. I mean, both of these players are good enough. And where you move things around if, if for whatever reason they want what you what you are bringing to the table it doesn't matter you move heaven and earth to make it happen and I don't know what kind of meetings they're going to take and this year to be frank there are so many teams that have cap space and so many teams in major markets that I don't think there need to be those crazy gymnastics of take a team with a meeting and then say can you figure this out because not only is their holdover their their prior team so good but you know the Knicks the Nets the, the Lakers and the Clippers if they want a major market they can go there in any other team as i said they'll make it happen.
0: We can move down now into the star tier of players and the star tier of players is usually the one that gets the most overpaid on some of these crazy contracts in free agency and Jimmy Butler's situation he does have a player option he's going to almost certainly opt out. He's 29 but with a lot of miles on those tires. Chris Middleton also player option at 27. He's Gonna opt out as well. He's benefiting from only having had a three-year contract at the start of his career because he wasn't a first-round pick, so he actually hits free agency sooner. Is there's a max offer out there for Jimmy Butler, like full max, four years at one hundred and forty-six million dollars?
1: I'm guessing there is, especially because there are more teams, significantly more teams, with cap space than there are max-level free agents. If we're counting him in that group, and so I think someone's gonna get desperate now. Could he get the like full three plus one, you know all the bells and whistles that the best of the best demand. You know, like the Gordon Hayward contract would probably be the analog here. That maybe not, but there are so many teams that are just starved for talent, and I, I could imagine it happening. Like I think Brooklyn's a good example here. I think he would make the Nets, I and mean, be on, on the court at least. Like I mean, we, his off the court stuff is a little would be un, would be different with that team, but talented can help give them kind of take advantage of some of the opportunities they create i his defense it to me isn't where it was in his best years in chicago but he still can provide value on that end and brooklyn could use a player like him and this is really their opportunity so if the best players say no they could theoretically roll the space over to 2020 but that would be a little it'll be easier said than done and there's no guarantee they're going to get somebody better than jimmy butler then
0: yeah the 2020 free agency is not good although we could see that added to
1: well and something interesting you brought the is there a max contract offer for Jimmy Butler his negotiations with Philly are fascinating too because do they what price do they want him back at you know the the elements of a fifth year versus a fourth year it's it's a it's a complicated situation made even more fraught because of the Tobias Harris situation and so they're depending on how much ownership is willing to spend not only in the near term but in the long term they they could go really expensive here that would allow them to use to use bird rights early bird rights to retain JJ Reddick if they want to go that way but they could also clear cap space. And theoretically, if Philadelphia wants somebody else, if the right person is interested, they could do that as well.
0: Yeah, and what happens in this series with Toronto, too? Do they really want to pay that much to bring back this team if they lose in five or six games and it's not really close against Toronto? So much of that determines Philly's situation. And yeah, that's going to be a really bad contract, making $40 million in the fourth year if he gets to the full max. Maybe it's the type of thing where it would be like half guaranteed on the last year or something. You would want to get that. But then, as you said, the 2020 free agent class is not good and there are a lot of teams that could use jimmy butler the three is a very limited position so for example sacramento with 37 million dollars in room right they really have a mandate to take the next step forward right now vlade divot said oh i thought we could have been even better and that's part of why he moved on from dave yeager so they certainly i mean what are they doing with their space right i mean they want to take a step forward they'll probably make the playoffs next year if they get butler and yeah, he, he ages out a little bit, but you know, at least he's got a decent body. Hopefully, he can play enough that uh, he can still provide competent defense on the wing and some shooting as he ages. The Knicks or Lakers, you could see maybe as a possible second banana in New York or in LA. Who else are they going to get besides Butler? A lot of pressure, of course, uh, on them. Clippers doesn't seem like the direction they would necessarily go if they miss out at, on Kawhi. You could see them maybe making him an offer though as, as the second guy again if they're because it really for them it, it makes a lot of sense because he's probably close to worth it the first year and so now you're trying to compete already how well he would get along with everyone you you never know indiana absolutely you would think would make that offer rather than trying to bring back bogdanovich and, and that young they they've and actually they would still have bogdanovich's hold they've got 31 million in room in indiana with his hold and they could get to that max offer pretty easily dallas don't necessarily see them going there brooklyn you mentioned. I'm skeptical that they w- would go there. I think they're trying to build a little bit more for the long term. But once again, you, what are they, what else are they doing with the space? You know, and, and Atlanta, I wouldn't see them going in that direction. But it just, it seems like there are enough teams. There are a few enough candidates for that money available that the offer, if not at the max, close to the max, is going to materialize. Maybe if he wants to play for a better team, they'll try to hold that over his head and the offer will be a little bit less. But, you know, it's really hard for me to see it being less than, you know, 120 million guaranteed something like that just because there are so many teams and he's he plays the wing and I still I you know I like him better as a free agent than Kemba Walker you know I think it, if you look at just the hierarchy of all the positions he's probably he's behind KD and Kawhi obviously he's behind Clay he's behind Kyrie and then it starts to get to eye of the beholder you know Al Horford if he opts out Tobias Harris is younger but not as good as Butler to me Kemba Walker you know he's right in that range so I uh, eye of the beholder maybe teams are just like oh is in history and he's too difficult to deal with i'm gonna rank him below all those guys i wouldn't though so let's turn now to the guys we have classified as starters. I'm actually going to move Al Farouk Aminu into the power forward group. So we really only have two guys you look at as starters. One is Harrison Barnes with that player option at age 27. Speculation that he would opt out of that and sign a longer term deal with the Kings uh, for a little bit less. If I'm Sacramento I just you know fine, He picks that up and that's what our projections for them have right now. 25.1 million that he would pick that up. It did seem like that deal was made for them to want to bring him back though uh and the kings probably value more than other teams though i'm not sure if they should because i think he's better as a four than a three but again you get into the scarcity of the three around the league and he can play the three even if he's not amazing at it and then uh boyan bogdanovich uh, is the other one at at age 30 coming off a career year there
1: bogdanovich is gonna have offers on the table i mean he really did ramp up his role when Victor Oladipo went out. I thought he looked good. You know, maybe not a playoff guy in that role, but not every team needs to have that that kind of small forward and there's so much money around the league right now so bogdanovich i think he'll get a strong offer from the pacers how they define their offseason is a huge question because they have all these unrestricted free agents and so the player has has a voice in the process the team does as well and they they'll be able to retain him so i i wonder how much well
0: well, that's interesting by the way though with the pacers let's talk about that because he made 10.5 million this year his cap hold is 13.7 million and they can pay him 175 because he's been on the team two years early bird rights so they could pay him a contract starting at just under 18 million dollars per season uh, over four years but they could give him the eight percent raises because he's he's early early bird um i mean that would be a lot of money and a lot of years for him but you could also see him having an offer that would be a higher starting annual value than what they could do holding on to that 13.7 million cap hold if they want to pay him more than that to start now you're vaporizing more cap space to do that so that's that's going to be really interesting i mean the number of years to me for him is going to be very very important
1: agreed and i mean this at age 30 you expect that each year is going to be you know it can, it's more likely than not that it'll be worse than the last and i mean he had a career year so you would you would kind of lean that direction anyway so does a team like sacramento to create the bogdanovich combination i mean i also think just adding a little bit more another dynamic offensive player if they want to go in in that direction they absolutely could and you know brooklyn could bring him could bring him back they could go in that direction it's been a, it's been a little while since he was yeah there. i mean i think
0: they have joe harris i i i don't think they're gonna do that i think they want someone with more size and athleticism on the wing i i, I think they do too but me. that's always hard to get
1: know and and so for brooklyn i mean we've, we've they've come up a couple times in this the urgency of now is is it just hard to figure out for me with them like i could see brooklyn playing the long game here and just rolling it one year but if they see the success they had this is a loaded free agent market. They have some buzz. I could see if, if the best players don't say yes, I could see them dipping to about this level. And I think that's about the line for them in terms of 19 versus 20 is probably somewhere around Bojan Bodonavich.
0: Yeah, Yeah, obviously much depends, of course, uh, on what happens to D'Angelo Russell uh, as well. Just because, I, I mean, I think they're they're looking at what are our books going to look like three years from now. I think that that's a question. And is this team, if you just re-sign Levert for big money and Russell, And one more piece. Where are you going with that group? And what is that other piece? Do you want to make that piece Bogdanovich? Are you really or someone of that ilk? Is that getting you anywhere other than just a pretty similar season to what you had this year? Yeah, you know, or or bottom bottom five or bottom four playoff team in the East. I know it depends what their ambitions are as a franchise. Trevor Ariza heads up the rotation guys, and this is a very very thin group. I mean, this at the three, which I really are defining a lot is you got to be able to guard your other threes the best threes have at least some idea of a chance guarding those players even Bogdanovich has been better in the last couple of years but you know that that's not he's not a stopper on the wing but most of these guys like okay if you put him on the best threes in the NBA they're not going to just get completely embarrassed you know so Trevor Ariza heads out that group at 33 interesting that Washington did not seek to move him there's talk that he could return there they will have full bird rights on him should they choose and just uh, in a vacuum what do you think uh, as a number for Areza
1: actually a clarification you they do not have full bird rights on Areza they just have non-bird rights that are rich enough where they oh you're right i forgot
0: that he uh yeah that I, I was thinking he got traded. He's just stupid. uh yeah yeah so, but so but that, can... but still
1: it should still be fine the primary difference there is they, they can't go all the way to his max and they can only give five percent raises but i don't i don't think that difference matters really yeah, at they, all i mean case. they could start
0: him at 18 which is yeah enough. that's plenty you would think.
1: I would think. And Ariza, you know, 33, you're getting into some of the, the duration-related questions here, you know, do, giving him more money for like two years than when you stretch it out, not only because you don't know how he's going to play then, but also that adds a lot of serious money on the books. And so many of these teams that have real cap space aren't necessarily sitting there saying like, we're going to be cheap forever. You know, they're going to get more expensive. I'm not saying Philly's an option, but I think that's a good way of thinking about this. Like, oh yeah, they have other guys that are going to get more expensive too, you brought that up for Brooklyn. I don't see the greatest constituency for Ariza this offseason Sacramento seems like a possibility just depending on how they see the position the Lakers if they want if, depending on how, how they see their forward yeah. their front court rotation supposedly
0: pursued him from Phoenix when he was available
1: right so and and I could imagine I could imagine that being interesting he isn't an, an LA guy went to Westchester High also went to UCLA and if he is willing to lower his sights down to the mid-level then more options open up because there there are some teams that just don't have the spending power that would be interested in reason because small forward is such a scarce
0: position yeah and he still provides some two-way value i mean at 33 i thought he took a step back this year to be sure did not have the touch from three a lot of the year and looked to really be lacking explosion around the basket so you never know guys guys who are at that level can just lose it and not have it anymore you know around this age but you're always going to get a chance if you've got some size and some shooting ability at the small forward position so he's clearly at the top of that rotation group and someone will likely bring him in to be a starter i, I just listed him as rotation because i don't think it's going to be a long-term starter money type of, of contract but you could very easily see him at the very least getting a similar contract to last year which was one year 15 million and maybe even getting a, a second year as well maybe he gets a partial guarantee on a second year maybe it even goes to beyond that potentially or maybe it's a longer contract at the mid-level for a contender but i mean but still as a rotation piece despite the fact that he's a little bit diminished you think he could help nearly any playoff team just due to his skill set
1: james ennis has a player option worth 1.8 million that is his minimum for next year it would be fully guaranteed so that is you know security of the money is there but i i hope and expect that he would get a much riffer, richer offer than that but why is that i just think he's i think he's capable defensively not necessarily a high usage guy but i don't think a lot of teams need that from their from their three to me he like the, he's the type of player who it's very it's harder to find than teams think travion graham i i, I harped about him last year and I, I think it's a similar argument for those two guys and on second well, units
0: graham I mean, and Graham so, didn't get so, much money. Well, so, so here's the thing: like Ennis did not have m- much of a market last year; mm-hmm. d- had a disappointing year. You'd say he's 29. Uh, I think the athleticism, in particular, looks like it's uh, declined uh, to some degree uh, from downtown this year, 35, but not a very high attempt rate. Now the, the, he has been valuable for Philly, you know, just as someone who is a stopgap and hasn't killed them. I, mean, I, I think he really changed that series, as crazy as to say, having him back a- against Brooklyn in the first round, but. I he seems like another one of these guys that we maybe value more than the league does i agree i don't see think he's gonna opt in but i I don't see him getting more than like maybe three million a year or four million a year or something maybe for two years it seems like the type of contract it would be and and again we've talked about this too of just where is that line gonna fall with there being more money this year but so many free agents as well i agree with you i think he should be higher valued just as someone who can give you semi-competent play on both ends but you know houston who desperately needs wings just got rid of him you know they thought that daniel house and uh, austin rivers uh, were better than him so i i do think that there's and they traded him to philly but they didn't get anything for him they basically just straight up dumped him on a minimum contract anybody basically could have had him so i i I fear that his value is a little lower
1: i agree with you i i wish that he was was more valued around the league and i think this i think that damari carroll who is also in this group has more of a constituency, also has the benefit of playing, you know, you can play him at the three, you can play him at the four. And while the old Arnovitz chestnut about if you have to ask, he's a four. I think there is some merit to that. But almost all of those guys actually play the three because there are so few threes. And so you kind of get into that best position versus optimization for value purposes. Carol. 55% 55% true shooting each of the last two seasons with the Brooklyn Nets and just just a, a competent a player that you can rely on in, in your rotation defensively and I think offensively he brings enough to the table without taking that much away that I, I just another guy that I just really like and and feel my instinct is that he's going to get undervalued and part of that is the choice that Brooklyn has to make in terms of cap space versus retentions I'm guessing that they will just shed some of these cap holds and then that makes him really a, a free agent without much tying him to the nets themselves other than a good season
0: yeah at age 32 uh, for carroll you know clearly uh, is the second best guy in kind of this older rotation level of group so i think he is gonna uh, have a market if teams are smart darius miller he's really more of a fringe guy have him in rotation just because he's been in the rotation but the problem is he didn't hit the three ball nearly as well this year as number one at at age 29 this offseason and then also just defensively just lacks the athleticism to really compete at the three he looks like a three in terms of his stature but he's not going to guard the best guys he's just too slow can't jump uh but teams are looking for a sniper at that position and then you get down into some of the fringe guys we could just go through them quickly tabo cephalosha is 35 luke mute is 33 and then vince carter to me is like better than some of these guys you've also got amri Caspi, who's really more of a four at this point hazonia glenn robinson the third who's almost certainly going to get that team option decline he wasn't really in the rotation this year for detroit and other than that you've really just got a lot of guys who are just not really you don't even feel good about having them in your rotations why they're classified as friends so i mean this and, is, if,
1: and if yeah. you want to know why a guy like james ennis should get paid it's because of when you look at this list below i mean right. hazonia glenn robinson and Baumute just mostly because of health I mean he yeah. had a, a completely lost season due to injury I don't trust you know if you, you yeah. pencil that person in even if it's on a minimum contract you don't go oh our our backup three is is set some of them are actually better at power forward and then they're not consistent I mean Mario Hazonia, I, I still technically am the Archbishop of the Church of Hazonia, but 20, 28% from three this year 50% true shooting on 21 usage now you can pull that off on that god awful Knicks team but thinking at this point it's a lot harder to say right now, oh yeah, he can be a big positive part of what we're trying to do. Now at twenty-three he could eventually get there. Actually he just turned twenty-four in February. He could get there, but like the trust for me is is the big question here, whether it's health, whether it's reliability, actually how good they are. Like I think Caspi is an example there. Like this this group just makes me
0: queasy. Yeah, and as we've seen he can get minutes in the playoffs and not kill you, and the rest of this group probably can't. Um Let's get to the restricted guys. Again, a rather barren group. Kelly Oubre at 23 leads these guys off. And Dorian Finney-Smith, I mean, those are the only guys even who are, I look at as a rotation level of players. Oubre is 23. Finney-Smith is 26. Finney-Smith, we can start with first. I think it seems very likely that he'll be back in Dallas. It's unlikely to me that they're going to get another three. I mean, he, he probably looks like they're starting three next year. And he's got the really low cap hold. So he's extremely valuable to them because they're trying to use cap space this year. It just becomes a question of what that contract is going to be you know i, I think it, it ends up maybe in the five million a year range something like that is where they end up but that's you know finney smith was hitting the three ball early in the year dropped off it ended up in the very low 30s uh, right around where he's been in his career he looked much better taking it but really just fell off and career 30 percent three point shooter so you're kind of hoping that he can continue to build on what he did the first half of the year so perhaps the mavs try to bring someone else in but just just who is that going to be there is not if they don't get one of the stars hard to say who that is luca can't guard the three they need someone with some size in the wing remember they're supposed to like be taking the next step forward next year now with porzingis and luca and ascending to be a playoff team so they finney smith isn't an amazing option just because the, the shooting isn't great i think he's solid but unspectacular defensively but because he's got the low cap hold, so he's basically very cheap for this year i, you know, I think they try to bring him back but that seems like it's headed to the sort Five million a year type of range, and then upre is an interesting one too. Put up big numbers in Phoenix, and then he had that thumb injury that torpedoed the last few weeks of his season. But also a, a somewhat spacey defender, better on smaller players. You don't really want him guarding the other team's three; he's just too skinny, not that physical there. So that's one where they traded for him. In theory, they'll want to bring him back, but his cap hold situation is interesting as a as a restricted free agent. That cap hold is nine point six million phoenix doesn't particularly have a path to space to get a point guard unless they move on from his cap hold or go for a stretch of tyler johnson and his 19.2 million or make some kind of a trade. so they're looking at 7.6 million right now with his cap hold on the books pending uh, uh what their draft pick ends up being so there is a scenario in which maybe they just let him go and he becomes unrestricted but seems unlikely that that would happen right at the start of free agency and they could potentially be looking to make their own free agent or restricted free agent offer to someone like Terry Rozier or maybe like Malcolm Brogdon or something. And then maybe they, they pull Oubre's qualifying offer and take his cap hold off the books and he could become unrestricted. So I, 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 he doesn't seem like someone who's going to get an offer necessarily. But I also don't think he's very similar to a lot of players that they already have, although better than, say, Josh Jackson and you know tj warren is somewhat inscrutable as well so i i do think he's a valuable player for them and he's in some ways more of an adult in the room than a lot of the guys they have on the wing so it's i'm not sure where that's going what do you feel as far as what ends up happening there in terms of them making him an offer it seems like one of those ones where it's like oh we can't let the asset go but you're not so important to us that like we're gonna move aggressively to lock you up with an offer that you're gonna like on july 1st i
1: don't have a particularly great read on Oubre. players like. Like him are the to me the it only takes one restricted off restricted offer type of thing where they're you know 15th pick in the draft a few years ago still only 23 years old doesn't turn 24 until partway through next season that somebody with space or maybe with the full non-taxpayer middle level exception just goes well look at this forward market there aren't that many guys available he's younger than a lot of them and while i would probably disagree with an offer that lucrative i wouldn't be surprised to see someone make it because he could be overvalued and especially with when you have this time as the sun where he was a little bit more effective and got to play more minutes that that if you were already liked him the parallel here is kind of I don't think of him as nearly as accomplished but like Harrison Barnes where Barnes having the success that he did on the Warriors it strengthened the resolve of the people who liked him in the first place and I could see Ubre getting you know like one offer kind of in that range and I, my instinct is that that would then lead to Phoenix not matching but just giving him a contract at around that number and that's how I, I'm guessing this place out
0: fringe restricted free agents jake layman coming off of his third year did actually start some games he uh got the keith bogans quite a few times improved his three-point shooting which had been awful in his career up to 33 percent. so enough where he at least had to be honored to, to some degree it was an efficient finisher around the basket 16 percent usage isn't terrible for the type of player that he was and he's he's got some size and athleticism well something else that's really
1: important for layman he he had this big jump jump in effectiveness true shooting this year and a lot of that actually came from two he did shoot better from 3 he went yeah. from you know mid 20s on overall, I mean, over the first two years to thirty-three, but sixty-five percent from two is is pretty yeah. impressive. I don't yeah. know how much of that is sustainable. You know, you, you can see shooting fifty percent well, on ten to fifteen feet, shooting thirty-eight percent on long twos. Both of those seem a little bit rosy to me. But you know, he he's he has more athleticism than you think. He did a good job finishing around the rim and took a lot more of his shots there, which is important and something you could see Layman continuing.
0: Yeah, I mean, Layman had only played about. 400 minutes in his career prior to this and we were critical of them even picking up his non-guarantee because he had just been a complete non-factor. He had a really nice summer league shooting the ball and I think he established himself as an NBA player with 1300 minutes this year actually started 33 games and I think a lot of what happens with him will be dependent on what happens with Al Minu in Portland. Maybe they even would think hey he's got a small cap hold we can kind of really hold his price down and bring him back and he could be a stopgap starter for us if Aminu leaves it next to Harkless. Stanley Johnson age 23 got traded to New Orleans there was hope that maybe he could break out there he did not he's just been a total struggle for him he's just never improved and in fact has almost regressed shooting the ball does have the defensive potential he is someone who will probably get a look but it seems like he's right around the minimum I would be very surprised if New Orleans gives him a, a qualifying offer at this point same thing with Justin Anderson in Atlanta who really struggled to get on the floor even with the, the many injuries that they had on the wing this year and then sam decker another one of these all of these guys maybe with the exception of laminar are ones that we have perhaps slightly fetishized in the past as oh these guys have the potential to be a a good player on the wing and it just has never worked out for them and yeah you know anderson is 25 maybe if his and i think also he's just he's put on some weight that great athleticism they had early in his career seems to have waned a little bit but all these guys they had some defensive potential with their size and then just haven't really been able to make the three ball consistently and maybe team they'll keep getting chances maybe as the team think all right we will be the one to teach him to shoot so i you would think that these guys uh, maybe with the exception of anderson will be in the league next year but you know on flyer minimum type of deals i wouldn't expect any of them to get qualifying offers from their team
1: all right we done here yeah i think we are i can mention that my spurs offseason preview is up at the athletic not as much going on there as the clippers who who came out on monday but still plenty to discuss in terms of rudy gay that's actually a negotiation that we talked about i i talked about at length there because of the unusual circumstances with his early bird rights and their flexibility relative to the luxury tax so i, I liked i like going through that exercise with them and i kind of went big picture in terms of the next couple of years of their timeline
0: all right we are going to be off on Wednesday Wednesday night because we did that special saturday episode so but fear not we will talk about wednesday night's game on thursday night's episode when we will be back we'll talk to you all then